Hey, this is Gordon from the Riff Radio Show Podcast, a radio show dedicated to the music of Generation X. We release a new show every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we play music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we take your requests. And unlike the old days when you had to wait forever to get your request on your favorite radio show, I always put your requests on our Saturday morning all-request episode. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes of any episode and request a song. The Riff is only available on Spotify, so head on over today and subscribe. The Riff, only on Spotify. Hey everybody, I get this question a lot, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it right now. Uh, what is Sci-Fi Super Show? Well, science, it's science fiction, superheroes, some fantasy stuff. Basically, contents from movies, TV, books, comic books. If you have a topic or an idea you think we should cover in the podcast, or you see something cool online you want to share with some like-minded friends, then uh, come on down to Sci-Fi Super Show on Facebook. Check us out. Welcome to Force Lore Comics, your weekly update to the Star Wars universe as depicted in the Marvel comic books. Join your hosts Jim and Tim as they recap the releases of the previous week. For more in-depth talks about Star Wars, Jim and Tim can also be found on Our Certain Point of View, a Star Wars and Mandalorian podcast. Force Lore Comics and Our Certain Point of View are fan-based podcasts and have no affiliations with Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel, or any of their subsidiaries. Because bottom line, it was so good. We're going to get started here. Hello, everybody. This is Tim, and I'm joined with, joined by. Jim. I'm, I'm Jim. Jo- yeah, I'm joined by Jim. Uh, welcome to Force Lore Comics, brought to you by our certain point of view, a Star Wars podcast. And tonight, uh, today is April 21st. It is Wednesday. We are discussing last week's released issue, Bounty Hunters, number 11. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Um, If you enjoy our comic book talks, please, please, please leave us a five-star review here on our certain point of view. Uh, If you like our other Star Wars content, I'm going to have some difficulty with words tonight, apparently. If you like our other Star Wars content, you can leave us a five-star review as well. Uh, based on the typical Our Certain Point of View show, this week we will be talking about the Night Sisters, more specifically Mother Talzin. So, uh, should be a fun episode on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I like Mother Talzin. Yeah, we know. Um, or maybe we don't, yeah. but now you do, and you'll find out more on dun, Friday. Dun, dun. Uh, but this Mother week we're talking Talzin. about bounty hunters. It's going to be awesome. You know, there was a little like bit of news, hunters. but nothing... Um, Nothing I really needed to go over before Friday night's episode. I have news. Ooh, you have some news? Some four-star comics I news. do. All right. Share away. Oh, uh, I didn't. Not, not four-star comic news. I just have news. Well, it's news during four-star comics. It's still what I want to hear. Well, that's true. Um, <coughs> so, I, uh, I, made a, I made an album almost 20 years ago, and Gordon from The Riff played on that album. And Gordon has got over 20,000 followers on TikTok now. And uh, so recently he kind of asked if I'd put that music up there. And uh, so I did. It's up there on Spotify. It's on YouTube Music or Apple, wherever you listen to music. Um, but he was he was playing it on uh, TikTok. And it's the weirdest feeling in the world, man. Because uh, people... You know, from all over the country, are like, oh, I like this. Oh, that guy's got a great voice, and it's like, 
that I made that twenty years ago. I really I could not play but maybe two songs off this album I did twenty years ago. But it has been a lot of fun. So I did want to say thanks to Gordon um, for kind of helping me relive some of my glory days. Jim's especially kind I have of a modest in voice. case anyone didn't know, because Jim really is a talented musician. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I do what I can. It's one <laughs> of the only reasons I'm willing to do this podcast is because, uh, well, that's it. You know, it's not, you got no squat about voice. Star Wars. Um, I, I Sometimes really I question whether he even likes Star Wars. Uh, but he is a, Sometimes he is a I question musician. your commitment to sparkle motion. Yeah. Now, I would like to uh, clarify some things real quick because, yes. Because um, you've, you've brought it up multiple <laughs> times in the last three weeks. <laughs> I yes. want to clarify something. I made a sarcastic comment about Jim's uh, Star Wars knowledge. He does know about Star Wars. I made a sarcastic Pretty comment good. about Jim's uh, Star Wars enjoyment. He does enjoy Star Wars. And then I made a comment I about Jim's it. musicianship. So following logic, <laughs> you would think that's sarcastic. But that was actually... It's uh, so good. That was sincere. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Oh, I meant, yes. Me too. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I that's uh, yeah, that's good stuff. I made a Donnie Darko reference. I love that movie so much. Yeah, you would. Um, you know, my favorite yes. thing to say to people after they tell me they enjoyed something. Hello there. I like to say you would, um, and I get a lot of people who like will like they'll literally like take a half a step back and look at me funny, and I'm like, of course you would enjoy that would. because you did enjoy that like it just fits in so it's the perfect like cut line where you're not really insulting anyone they just it's my favorite um yeah anyway. you would you would <laughs> you you would <laughs> See, like, I like to sniff and look away <laughs> but it doesn't work as well on a podcast but when someone says something just stop and go and then cut your eyes away and it's the most awkward thing you can do but it's just beautiful yeah. I love doing that to people. Yeah. But it doesn't work on a podcast so well. Hey, hey, can you, like, take, pay attention. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're here to talk about Bounty Hunters number 11. And, uh, I oh, my say, gosh, we are. I've really, really, really enjoyed this comic book. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think fun's the right word. It's all adventure. It is. It's a lot of fun. There's a little bit of... Uh, there's a little bit of, of information, but it's not force user information. Um, yeah. In fact, this book in particular, at, at one point I had the feeling, if you like the book Plagueis, you would enjoy this comic book. Which I do. To the point that I would say this. If you have not read Bounty Hunters number 11, and you enjoyed the book Plagueis, I'm going to say it, Jim, you're going to be mad at me, but we are not a monetized podcast, so I don't really care. Um, if you enjoy the book Plagueis and you have not read this comic book, huh? go read this comic book before you finish our episode, because I think you really will enjoy this. Um, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> I, I just sent people away. <laughs> they just turned it off. They're not even hearing what I'm saying now. Um, but really, I, you know, it is, it's, a, it's a good comic book. There are no Jedi. There is no there's force a lot of use. Killing. There's a lot of killing. Um, there's some information about some different uh, people, and the Munes is probably what what led me into the Plagueis thought. Um, yeah, I assumed. But one it's, of the main characters is immune, like Plagueis was. 
Yeah. So this is it really good. Like we're saying is immune. They is immune. are a. He's immune. immune. He's immune. Yeah. Um. So we have a new. Uh, I think we have a new writer. And I forgot Maybe. to look at my bounty hunters from last month. You didn't make notes, so I can't see. Yeah, sorry the writer no, was it is the same Ethan writer. Sachs. It's the same writer. Um, so Ethan Sachs yeah. is doing a pretty good job here. Um, I don't know why I thought uh, it's been a while since I guess we talked about bounty hunters. Um, but Ethan Sachs is the writer, and everybody else I know is yeah. the same. Paolo uh, Villanelli is the artist, with Arif Prianto as the colorist. Um, although the cover artist may be new. Nope, cover artist is the same. How did I miss all this? We've done a lot of comic books recently. <laughs> Um, Mattia de, uh, it's I U L I S. How would you pronounce that? Eulis? Eus. Eulis? Eus. All right. <laughs> um, so there we have it. So those are our, uh, our, uh, our main group there. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed the story. Now, there's a lot going on in the Star Wars, um, in the Bounty Hunters universe at this point. Um, we have Valance, who is mm-hmm. essentially our main bounty hunter of the Star Wars Bounty Hunter series. Uh, he's kind of a cyborg type. Um, and I like him. I can't figure him out yet. You know, I, I think they're trying to get him to be like a, hey, you should like him, even though he's a bad guy, but he's kind of a good guy sometimes. Like that kind of, you know, yeah. back and forth. So you're not really sure how to feel about him. I Jesus, I like his cool. character. I don't like him, um, but I like his character. You know, it's it's kind of the yeah. Darth Vader Anakin thing. Like people are like, "Oh, I love I love Anakin. He's so great." And I'm like, "Well, you know, he's he's kind of evil and a little murdery." Um, so I don't like Anakin, but I like Anakin's character and Darth Vader's character in the story. You know, that's those are two different conversations. Um, so anyway, that's that's it. Um, but that's where so we're it at. starts with uh, Valence's uh, escape with uh, Dengar. We're on a whole He's new story. He's got Dengar pass, uh, uh, as a uh, prisoner. Not a passenger, a prisoner. I just don't buy Dengar as a tough guy. Because Valence, like, punches him, and he's, like, and Dengar's all, like, well, you better show me more respect than that. And I'm, like, I just, Dengar just doesn't look, he, he's a guy permanently in bandages. He just doesn't look tough to me. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't know. quite figure him out. Um, And this one makes them look more like cloth and less like bandage. So it looks more like a, a, head wrapping. Know, maybe a cultural thing versus a protective thing um i don't know that it's just you know the way this is drawn but i don't know what i don't know what his deal is i did like one interaction between them at the end of their conversation um and that's just a you know kind of a respect among bounty hunters thing but obviously dengar is not holding his own against um valance valance is is tough valance is one of the best bounty hunters out there ever Valance um, wants to find Solo. He does. He does. He wants that bounty for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> and and maybe that I got the impression he wanted to save him. Well, that's because what Solo had saved him. Right. That's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. 
And I thought about that too. Because yeah. at first I was like, oh, maybe he just so wants the big bounty. Yes, he wants to save Solo to pay him back because then he'd be essentially debt free. Um, yeah. In in that. And Dengar knows that Boba Fett has him. Yeah. So they're going to work out an agreement that Valence won't kill Dengar, and in return, Dengar is going to help him find Boba Fett. Yep. Now, for anyone who reads this scene um, in the Marvel Comics app versus live or versus you know on the the actual comic book itself um and once again i like to say this every episode please support your local comic book stores they uh yeah they need you um they're awesome most of the time people working there are awesome so support them uh but anyway if you read this digitally versus in the actual comic book you got a slightly different feel because there's a scene that comes up here when they finally kind of reach an agreement like hey you're going to help me. And Dengar's like, all right, I'm going to help you. There's a small um, cell within this single page of all this conversation happening where the colors change. It all goes red and Dengar full on has a huge swing and right hooks um, Valens. And he says in the process, he says, I accept. Now everything about that, if you look at just that cell alone, it looks like they're about to start yeah. a brand new fight. Yeah. Um, and that's what I got yeah. because I actually read this for the first time in this one. I read this one digitally the whole way through. So I'm swiping through cell by cell instead of page by page. And it looked like, oh, they're going to start a whole new fight. And then immediately after, and if you read this page by page, you would have seen this immediately after. Um, Dengar says, now we're even and they shake hands. And it was kind yep. of a, hey, you just roughed me up a bunch. I'm going to hit you back. And they're both like, yeah, all right. Um, now, of course, Dengar right hand socked Valance in his metal face. Like, I don't know if his yeah, entire I, face is I metal, but the hurt. side he hit is definitely the metal side. Um, yeah. He hurt, he hurt himself more than... Well, now in Dengar's... To, to speak on Dengar's behalf, he did shake hands with him with the same hand that he punched him in the metal face with um, after. Oh, he's actually holding yeah. his hand in that scene. Yeah, he's holding his hand because he heard it. Yeah, that's what I imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dengar's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, meanwhile, yeah, then we jump to kind of the main story of this book. Terror on Malastar. The- Malastar? Yeah, Malastar. So this reminded me of the uh, uh, Padawan Lost episode of Clone Wars, except for in reverse. That's an episode where Ahsoka gets captured by some Trandoshans, and apparently they make sport of hunting younglings. And um, uh, so, yeah, one of the moons of the Trandoshan planet um, is a hunting refuge. Well, this is kind of like that, only... It's the planet Malastar, and now they've got a Trandoshan who's being hunted, and his name is Bosk. It is. In dun, fact, dun, if, you, if you bought the comic book, or you look at the comic book, you can look it up online. The front cover is an image of Bosk, and at the top, it says Bosk, right? And all these big letters just across the top, uh, B-O-S-S-S-S-S-K. B-O-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
in the same way um uh what's his name skier skier yeah um skier does right and they're both trandoshans of course um but they really push that s which is interesting because they're neither of them are i wouldn't call either of them snake-like Right, but like that's Tyrannosaurus kind of the, Rexes, but like, yeah, but they're giving them kind of that. But their yeah. language has that has that traditional hissing s, long s for a that you would get out of a. They're parcel tongues. Yeah, is that is what that? they call them? Parcel tongue. Yeah. Harry Potter. Right, so we see Bosk on in the podcast uh, house on Malstar, and the first so Malstar is basically a place where rich people go to hunt other people. Seems that way. Um, is what we find out. Yeah. Um, uh, home Bosk of the... Is, uh, it's where the, the Doug is over yeah. home. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy from uh, the pod race? Saboba. Uh, his name. Yeah, Saboba so, so was a was a Doug, if you're wondering. They An especially dangerous they one. Used, oh, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, they use their legs kind of like their hands and walk with their arms. They're kind of, you know... Not, but um, <laughs> so we start out, yeah. Uh, so we find out that Bosk is being hunted, he's part of the group of uh, of prey or whatever on this planet. And the first thing he does is, of course, kill one of the hunters, which is a pretty sweet scene. And then the other uh, people who are prey are all like, What do we do now? And he's like, eh, If you do what I say, one of you might live. And they're like, You're not much at giving speeches, yeah. Um, which I found interesting. So like, and then right away he picks up the blaster dropped by whatever the, I forget what the creature is that he, that he killed was called. Um, but whatever that creature was called, he's like, well, I can't use this thing. It's, you know, meant for tiny human hands, this blaster. And he throws it to one of the, um, to one of the other prey who could at that point, you know, go after him for whatever reason they would. Uh, I mean, I imagine it would still work well for them. He picks up a knife to go with. Um, yeah. You know, there's a bit of argument. He kind of makes sure that they know he's the tough guy, whatever. Um, of course, he's, you know, a lot tougher than all of them. They weren't even trying to really challenge him, just saying, hey, we need to go so we don't get killed. It wasn't. Yeah, we got to run and hide. Yeah, there wasn't anything. You know, they weren't against him, but he still, you know, took that as his opportunity to, to show his upper hand. Um, and what I thought was really interesting, this is one of my favorite parts, actually, of this entire book, um, is they went after this and he said, I wonder what kind of food the Grand packed, right? The thing that he, I guess it's called a Grand. Um, the creature that he killed. And he said, uh, you know, it looks like tonight's dinner will be roach rat processings. And everybody's like, you expect us to eat that? And then they immediately go over to somebody saying, um, talking about uh, colo claw fish eggs. And he says, these colo claw yeah. fish eggs are exquisite. My compliments to the clubhouse chef. Um, and they're just kind of given that, that comparison. I liked the transition in this book to go from, there was, there was no reason for them to go, um, to, to have a clean transition, they wanted to introduce the Mune bounty hunters, who yeah. were the, the higher-ups and the ones that, you know, really paid their way to be there. 
and they actually transitioned into it with kind of a, a natural conversation, which I thought was a, just a really neat writing choice. Um, and I yeah. liked it a lot. <laughs> so. well, we got to see the country club environment that the hunters are in. Yeah. To go hunt these poor people. And so they go through, um, and they're, you know, most of the conversation is, is relatively irrelevant. Bib um, Fortuna's there. But then they go over to Bib Fortuna. And I say yeah, irrelevant. It's, it's I, I mean irrelevant to the overall big story. It is worth reading, um, and you do get an idea of who these characters are. Not irrelevant to, uh, you know, for the reading itself. It's, it is, yeah. Yeah. But this Mune is apparently a big dog in the banking clan, and uh, Fortuna wants him to come work with the Huts, but he's like, I already have a client. They never say who it is. It's always very you know, mysterious, but he's like, I don't go back on my promises like these young Munes might, but we have honor Except and integrity, for the one thing and I'm he here says. for the hunt. Hmm. He says one thing toward the end. He says, I work for the Empire. Well, he says, I'm protected by the Empire. I'm here under the Empire, so yeah, I would guess, but he never says exactly who his client is. Right, exactly. So it might be the Emperor, or it might be Darth Vader, um, but might yeah, he's under the protection be, of the Empire. Yeah, it could be anyone. Yeah. And Bib Fortuna's like, you sure you don't want to come work for the Huts? Because you never know what's going to happen on one of these, because uh, he says, I'm protected. Well, you never know what's going to happen on one of these hunts, because you know the deal with the hunt. It's not worth it if you can't get killed doing it, but the Mune's like, I don't care. I've got my own personal army. But we know that Bib Fortuna has kind of stacked the deck here. We know because we finished the book. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and hopefully and everybody listening has to the, too. Yeah, that takes us back to the, the hunting grounds where there are the two of the dugs. Yep. And these guys are pretty physically like crazy. They're out there hunting. And they do a and, pretty good job of that um, in the in episode one. What a you know, it's not a, it's it's not great to see how how strong they are, but obviously, um, the problem is the only creature that we actually see Saboba take down physically is Jar Jar. Yeah, and Jar Jar is He's pretty Sith tall, Lord. but I wouldn't consider him a worthy opponent to anyone. A Sith Lord? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, so when Saboa takes they him send down, a good you're like, okay, he's smaller than Jar Jar, but that's the only part that's sort of impressive. Um, but otherwise, punji sticks. But they do. But even still, they actually do a pretty good job of showing him, showing them to be tough. Like I would imagine them as strong fighters in a in hand to hand combat. Yeah. Even though we only got to see that little bit, um, and this supports that. Uh, we get them. They've they've got quick motions. Uh, they're at the smartest. They uh, drive into battle as if they're going to win every one of them, and then they all get killed. Um, yeah, they put a decoy out there, and the guy jumps on it, and it turns out it's got punji sticks at the bottom, and he basically impales himself to death. But before this, it was impressive. His his brother's like, no, wait, but it's too late. And then Boss tries to jump on the brother, and the guy turns around, and actually they go hand-to-hand, and it's pretty even. Yep. Until one of the survivors shoots uh, shoots the Doug, and that makes Bosk mad. He's like, why'd you shoot him? And uh, they're like, what? Never they're get between me and my prey again. That's yeah, what Bosk But it did look like the Doug was winning. 
So, and I really like that line from, uh, I like that line from Bosk, um, cause he is, you know, they're doing a really, <laughs> they're doing a really good job. It's almost like all of the writers right now are bothered by what we think of Trandoshans and they want to fix it. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> you know, like all but, of them uh, So did you get the impression that the Trandoshans have like some sort of a deity called the scorekeeper? Because every time there's a death, he refers to the scorekeeper either does like this death or does not like this death. Points are awarded. Points are not awarded. I assume I think they're talking about a deity. I thought the scorekeeper had to do with somebody with the hunt. I don't think so. I think it's Bosk's. I think it's his religion. Because that at first I did. I thought the same thing you thought. But then looking at it again, I'm like, no. He he keeps saying this kind of to himself. As people die, they either died well or they didn't die well. And if they died well, the scorekeeper counts you know, it. And that's really interesting because in my mind, like when I was reading this book and thinking about it, I was like, well, they're they're referring to somebody that has to do with the hunt. I don't know why they're not giving us more specifics. And kind of like you said, the conversations don't really seem to fit as if they're talking to someone that has to do with the hunt. But then, unlike you, I just kind of passed it off and just assumed that I missed (laughs) some detail. Yeah, because it's boss. Because it's uh, he says the score in its uh, internal dialogue. It's him thinking. He says uh, about the Doug being shot. He says the scorekeeper does not award points for E C kills. So that it's yeah, that's just him doing his own thing. But then we switched to the Mune and his army, and, and there's some you know poor dude. This is where I got confused. This is the reason I got confused. Because I was I, when I read this, I read a couple of these pages. I, I kind of read faster than I usually do. Um, and I got to this. So the where he's kind of giving that – it's not an internal dialogue. He's, he's still talking to the, um, the other prey who shot – yeah. The Doug, he's still talking to them. So he's talking to them, says that line that the scorekeeper um, does not award. But then it immediately goes to some guy who's apparently been shot and is, is you know, halfway out. Yeah, now and we got the Mune's crew out. Yeah, yeah, and the Mune says a quick death is a mercy and has the guy in his scopes. Um, yep. So I, that's where I got kind of confused. I was... I didn't actually recognize that as Bosk's words the first time. But they find out that, uh, so they kill that dude, and they're like, that wasn't a challenge. Hey, the Doug brothers have been killed, and not far from here. Let's go get them. So the Mune's all jumping on board. Meanwhile, the survivors see a spaceship, which we know belongs to Bib Fortuna, and they're like, if we can just get to that spaceship. And Bosk is like, y'all are going to run right for it. And I'm gonna make sure you, you know. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take them out. I've got and some like, inconsistencies to us. talk about. And they're, of, of course, they're gonna ambush them. And that's kind of Bosk. I thought that was clear from the beginning that he was saying, "Yeah, they're gonna ambush you." Yeah, and I'm gonna he said take, that. Some of y'all might make it. Oh, that's not the inconsistency um, I'm, I'm gonna. What, what's the inconsistency? I'm talking about Bosk's speech. Um, so yeah. Bosk has this long S for a lot of things. He has it for the word mm-hmm. C, where he started the sentence and just said C, 
everybody. Um, even at the beginning of words like ship, they have that extended S. So it's ship, right? Like whatever it is, the S's are all extended when Bosk speaks, except for one word. Ambush. Nope. Well, maybe. Does he say the word ambush? But even the word... He does say ambush. Even the word democracy has but not four, four C's in it. This isn't a democracy. Because it says, of course. Of course as well. The, yeah, the one that actually stood out to me was scorekeeper. Oh, that's true. C, the scorekeeper, provides to the righteous that ship. I because there's a hard S, it's hard C sound after it. But, but that yeah, would still that would still be make a run scorekeeper. That would still be uh, anyway. Anyway, I just noticed yeah, it. Um, but that could also be something to have to do with what you were talking about. Um, there's a careful it's pronunciation a toward this this person or being or whatever. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you you take your time, so and if you deal. speak of the scorekeeper, you speak of the scorekeeper appropriately. You don't. You don't give long s's to the scorekeeper. Like I could see some, I could see some Bosque mother going. How yeah. dare you provide extra sounds to the scorekeeper's name? Go get a switch, a switch. Well, maybe like I said, Trandoshan religion. religion. So they they do what he says though, and basically they seem to be surprised because the I don't know if they think he's kidding or what but he he straight up says if y'all do this maybe one of you survive and they're like oh so this is the plan (laughs) and they run out there and they get shot up and one of them survives and he's like you used us as bait (laughs) and he's he's like like, well yeah i told you so but i'm getting ahead because they they get shot up one of them is pinned down and provides enough distraction, and now Bosk is going to come through and start taking out the Mune's crew yep. one at a time. And that's a pretty sweet scene, because he kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, and he's doing it with a knife, so it's dirty fighting. Yeah, it's a good scene overall. The first one he takes out, this is smart. He goes up to the guy, stabs him, and then, like, um, yeah, starts one of the guy's thermal detonators and then jumps back. Yep. So everybody's like, well, he's hurt, is you know, and the guy's like, yeah, he tried to grab my weapon. And they're like, wait a minute, your detonator's on. <laughs> and then, boom. Yeah, that, was, that was smart. I like that. At that point, I think it was the number. An, I think there were two others really close still by. still the big guy. Yeah, the big guy's still there. They're still the, the really big guy. And um, they fight, and it's a pretty fair fight. Yeah, it's good. It's a and it's a really good fight to watch. Um, the entire intent yeah. of this pi- of this fight um, is to do two things: It's to provide comic book language. We have puck, puck, puck from uh, some shots being fired. Rawr. We have shunk from a knife being thrown and sunk into a bean. We have yep. choom from another blaster being fired, and whoop from a Bosk, who's been shot, not shot at, who's been shot, yeah. um, driving yeah. into and tackling the the big guy. So uh, some interesting, uh, some interesting pieces here. And then you have these two creatures just going at it. It's it's really good imagery. Um, 
Yeah. This is one of those panels. Finally, Bosk. Well, before before yeah. Bosk finally does anything, when Bosk is kind of down and the big guy's over top of him with the fist raised, it's a full single page. Yeah. Um, right? That is a full single page, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one kind of yeah. reminded me of a scene that, that would be interesting to draw. Less interesting based on the characters, but just the overall scene looked good. Um, if it's got a bit of a McFarlane feel. It has a kind of Spawn type feel to it. Yeah. Yep. Um, with the you know, I like it. Um, and Boss looks very crazy, scary looking there. His yeah. face does. But Boss basically grabs this guy by the eyes, pokes his eyes out, and then he grabs a rock, and the guy's like, we're not fighting fair. He said, I don't want to fight fair. I want to fight with a rock. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that line, too. <laughs> and, then, and then, speaking of comic book language, it says crack. And he just he doesn't kill the guy, though. Oh, it says scritch um, when he goes into his eyes, too. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. He says, you fought well. The scorekeeper favors you today. Um, I hope to have the chance to battle you again one day when I'm awesome. less of a rush. Um, so, yeah, he left him alive. Um, and that's when the survivor does confront him. He's like, you use this as bait. He's like, well, yeah, I said one of you might survive, and he did. <laughs> So now the Mune's on the run, tries to get on Bib Fortuna's ship. Bib Fortuna's like, dude, you should have taken my deal when I told you to. And this is where we find out, dun-dun-dun, Jabba had hired Bosk to be in this hunt so that they could kill the Mune when he was outside of Imperial protection. And that's exactly what he does. Bosk sneaks up behind him and kills him while they're having this conversation, which I thought that was a cool twist. It was. It was really Um, neat. And then we go to Bosk boards uh, Bib Fortuna's ship, and Bib's like, uh, yeah, Java has a plan for you, has, yeah. has, a, has a job for you, and it's going to be more difficult than this one. And Bosk is all excited. And Bosk is willing to jump- people, by the way. Well, yeah. That came up earlier. Well, just, just like the Ewoks. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Just- you see that, that question about where did the Ewoks get a dress that fit? That fit Princess yeah. Leia. I did. Is it because they had eaten a woman her size? That's that's messed up. But now we get to the last page, and it, it flashes over to Dingar and Valence talking. Um, and they're talking about how they're going to find Solo. And Dingar's like, I got a message from one of my bounty hunter friends. And he pulls up a scene, and it's, of course, Slave One. So, dun-dun-dun, we know that Valence and Dengar are off to confront Boba Fett. We also know that Boba Fett will make it back to Jabba's palace with uh, Han Solo, so Valence can't be too successful, obviously. Yeah, this is the only part that I found kind of strange, and I, I honestly, I didn't like. Um, I, the, I think the assumption here is that Bosk is the one sending the message, um, right? I mean, that's all yeah. that makes sense. Because he says, you know, I, I've got a contact who works for the Huts, So we assume that it's Bosk that's sending the message, which means Bib Fortuna told him to send the message, which would imply that Jabba the Hutt knows that Boba Fett already has Han Solo, and he's telling Bib and Bosk 
for some reason to tell Dengar and Balance where Bubba is without like I don't know it it's not adding up yet um, so hopefully yeah, it he does. wants them all they're like Pokemon he's trying to ke- collect them all well, maybe maybe I don't know it was just a it was a weird little piece and I, I hope they'll clean it up I was really really happy with the, this overall storyline um, so I'm not I'm not super concerned about where it goes next time I kind of like where we're at however however next time um, some things start to change because we are coming into are you are you done with this book can I start talking about next time on uh, Bounty Hunters yeah okay Um, we're coming into what's being called the War of the Bounty Hunters now I have not spent a lot of time and by not a lot I mean I have not spent any time researching the War of the Bounty Hunters and I know that you are here because this is your first stop number one go to Star Wars comic book podcast Force Lore Comics from our certain point of view do you like the little plug from people who have already listened I like it 37 <laughs> minutes of our show anyway um, what I'm really trying to say is I, I want to know what's happening here, but I, I don't want to know too soon. And we always release our episodes one week after a comic book comes out, so you know what's going on within good time, but um, it also gives people who read the comic books but want to listen to a podcast enough time to read it. So there's something coming called the War of the Bounty Hunters, and it's going to be a big um, like multi-comic book series uh, uh, story arc. So it's going to be part of the Bounty Hunters, um, in fact, in two weeks, War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha is an, is an issue that comes out. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, Bounty Hunters number 12, which is part of War of the Bounty Hunters, will come out two weeks after that. So May 5th, War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha is going to come out. And then May 19th, War of Bounty Hunters number 12, which is the next one in this comic book. So it's sort of a it's it's like an intro to what they're doing um, with all of this stuff. And it turns out that Star Wars number 13 is going to be part of the War of the Bounty Hunters series. I imagine Afra and Vader at that point will be part of the War of the Bounty Hunters, but I don't know that for sure. Because they usually tie everything kind of in. But that's kind of where we're at. So... War of the Bounty Hunters is the next big storyline. Interested? Yourself? I'm interested. I Yay. like the, I like the story. Sorry, you went a little uh, <laughs> a little puffa bear on me there. Um, I was talking a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, it's my fault. But uh, so anyway, next week on Force Lore Comics, we're going to talk about Doctor Afra number nine. Which I am interested to talk about, but I'm really, really, really excited for the one that comes after that. Heck yeah. Yeah, the one that comes after that is Darth Vader number 11. And the reason I'm so excited about that is we have not talked any of the Darth Vader books yet. Um, We haven't seen a Darth Vader book since December, January, um, which was before we started Force Lore Comics. 
So <laughs> we're in a bit of a dilemma here um, with, with Force Lore Comics and our certain point of view because April 28th is the release of Darth Vader number 11, which would put us on track to discuss it Wednesday, May the 5th, which is the day after Star Wars Day, um, Tuesday, May the 4th, which is also the release of Bad Batch. So we've got an Bad episode Batch. of Bad Batch to talk about. We've got Darth Vader number 11. We also kind of have to talk a little bit about um, some of the previous issues of Darth Vader to get you up to date on everything going Darth Vader. And then at the end of that week on Friday, what is that, May 7th, we've got Bad Batch episode number two. So there's a lot going on that week. Um, we're going to be, uh, well, we're going to be doing a lot of work on the house for our wives the week after that to make up for all the time we're going to be apparently podcasting probably. that week. <laughs> so probably it'll be yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I'm really excited about all that stuff that's coming. It's just going to be, it's going to be a lot um, to talk about. I'm excited to talk about it. Thank you. So that's some of the stuff that's coming. Um, stay tuned because we we are ready to rock and roll. And uh, I think that's it. We told everybody next time we're going to be discussing um, ne- next time on on Force Light Comics. Next time Force Light Comics, Doctor After Number Nine. But the next time you hear from us will be our certain point of view. Heck yeah! Talking about who are we talking about on Friday or Mother Saturday? Thousand, one of my favorites. Yeah, the Night Sisters and Mother Talzin, and right. the the ladies of Dathomir, and how they control the dark side. It's gonna be awesome. awesome! Super excited, witches! Heck yeah! Yep, we're gonna burn through the witches and dig through the ditches. That being yeah. said, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for listening to Force Lore Comics. I'm Tim. Yeah, I'm Jim, and this is Force Lore Comics from our. Ours. Certain mm-hmm. point of view. Point of view. Yeah. yeah. Talk to you next right time. Right Bye-bye.